everybody, welcome to the Mackey Method Podcast. Today we have a special guest, uh, Pastor uh, Gigi Lindley from Chicago, Illinois. She is a mother, a wife, a serial entrepreneur, a multimillionaire, and she's going to be here to share some godly principles, Christian entrepreneur principles with us. All right, so Pastor Gigi, it's so good to have you on the show. And it's so good to be here. I called you pastor to start off, but you are so many other things just besides a pastor, right? Uh, that's one of the things you do, yes. but you are an entrepreneur, you're a mother, you're a wife. There's like a lot of commas behind you, you know? Um, and a lot of people know you as a, lately, a lot of people have known you as a Christian entrepreneur. Yes. Um, I want to, I want to ask you a question and well, let me say this, you know, like you are also a multimillionaire, you and your husband. Yes. And you know, I, 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 a lot of people will look at you and think, oh snap, she just, she's like a beast. She just or like, you know, a lot of a lot of people look at entrepreneurs and think it's just a, like a, a pull of a string, a turn of a knob. And here you are, you know, and um, one of the reasons why I want to bring you on our show is because, you know, I've heard my wife and I both have heard your story of uh, the things that you have experienced as you have gotten to this point. And, it, you know, entrepreneurship is a journey but as you've gotten to this point. Um, I want to start off with some of the misconceptions of being an entrepreneur, mm -hmm. you know, because like I said, people, they look at you and they see you drive this or you wear you, you wear this yes. or you go these places all the time. But they and especially on social media, but they don't know what it's like when you're not on social media or when you're not doing those things. Can you talk a little bit about Absolutely. what that's like? Absolutely. Well, first of all, thank you so much for inviting me. Absolutely. It's so good to be here with you today. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for you considering me. Of course. I'm so honored to be here. <laughs> um, but one of the misconceptions that people have when they look at entrepreneurs, especially, let's go back, when they look at Christian entrepreneurs, they think that we don't do any work. They think that um, all we do is just pray and dance and go to church yeah. and that's it. But the reality is um, when the cameras are off, when we're not on social media, when we're not in church, we are actually working. And that's what separate us from uh, people who aspire to be entrepreneurs and never make it. Right. We understand that uh, faith needs work. Right. And I've been saying lately it's faith in hard work mm -hmm. um, because a lot of times people have this uh, they have this conceptual idea that was passed out down to them, especially people growing up in the church. They feel like if you know, if I just believe it, it's just going to happen. Right. But that was not my portion. That's not my story. And that is not what my husband and I ascribe. So we mentor young people and we tell them, yes, we believe in God. We believe that God is a miracle worker, that he can do all things but fail. But let me tell you what goes with the belief in faith, hard work. Yeah. So that looks like staying up late at night. It looks like uh, waking up early. It looks like when everyone is sleeping and everyone is resting, right. you're still up, you're still strategizing, you're still putting things together, you're still scrunching numbers, you're still looking at budgets, you're still looking like, what do we have to eliminate to right. make the budget roll? Um, and you're still handling emergencies. Like we're here 
with you in Florida and we got a phone call that our corporate office have to relocate by Friday. Wow. So this is what people don't see right. because the owner of the building, um, he has some violations on the building. And so now we have to take a, our team, our corporate team, which is the brain of our company, and move them and find them a place by Friday. So that looks like um, a moving truck. <laughs> that looks like, you know, men coming together on the weekend yeah. to move all of the ladies out protecting all of our fouls. So that's what people don't see. Right. And it's it's so funny you mentioned hard work because, you know, I, I did this post at the end of the year about um, rest. A lot of my, in my generation, I'm, I'm a little younger than you, but I'm a 90s baby. And so it seems like the kids that are growing up, they're very, they're very sensitive, right? You mm -hmm. know, even in church, even as pastors, you, there's certain things you can't say because it offends people. Yes. And I feel like there's so much talk about rest you know, and it's like, well, you need a rest. You need a, and I, I just feel like that we confuse, like we replace like, OK, we've done a little bit and now we need to rest versus with like rest is earned. Right. Absolutely. And that's the way that I feel. And I, I just feel like our generation doesn't doesn't consider that as much. You know, what what are the differences that you see from the way you were raised and some of the things that you believe about rest and hard work or the, some of the issues you see coming down from the people that are coming maybe behind you. Uh, it's so funny you said that because now <laughs> uh, my doctor have told me to rest. Yeah. But I did grow up with the paradigm that rest is earned. Right. And I still believe that. Yeah. Rest is earned. Like you have not deserved the right to rest if you haven't put no hard work in. Right. And so I think what is going on with the generation, they they feel like and it's, it's the offended generation. It's yeah. the I don't want to work too hard generation. Right. It's the um, fake it till you make it generation. Mm. It's the I don't have to have it as long as I can convince my peers that I have it. Right, right. Um, so I grew up in a generation where, and then I'm an immigrant as well. Right. So as an immigrant and coming to, this, to the United States, um, we came, my parents had the paradigm like, this is the only option. Yeah. This is the only option. Like, we have to make it or we're going to go back home yeah. and we're going to be broke. Yeah. So that propelled me, that pushed me, that always um, helped to funnel me in the right direction, helped to let me make the right, make the right decisions, um, didn't get involved in certain things. And I worked very hard. Um, so by the time I was 21, I was a landlord at 21. Wow. Because my mother told me you would never rent. Yeah. We can't rent. So. I tried to move out the house at 21. <laughs> I have to say with my mother's accent, she's going to listen to this and probably kill me. She's like, oh, so you have money to pay rent, huh? So you want to pip me. You want to pip me, huh? So if you're going to pip me, I'm going to tell you what you're going to do. You're going to find yourself a piece of property. Because if you go, you got money to give somebody $800 a month, then I can take it out of your check. Wow. So I had a choice. So I became a landlord at 21. Wow. Because my mom says, I'm pipping her, okay? Yeah. So that's what my mother always taught, mm -hmm. taught me. And that's the way, you know, we were raised. Work, work, work. And then you rest. Mm -hmm. Then you relax. Right. Save your money. Then yes. you relax. And if you look at biblical models, like one of my favorite biblical models is the story of Elisha and the widow woman. And one of the things that as the oil starts to multiply and he gave her specific instructions, pay your debt first. Right. And so I wish your generation could learn the importance of paying your, your debt first and then relaxing yeah, yeah. then 
treating yourself to a nice handbag. Mm -hmm. But like, it's time to boss up so all the haters can know that I got it. <laughs> no. Right. <laughs> Take care of the most important stuff first. So I always tell the young kids that ask me to mentor them, I always say, you got to think like an entrepreneur and not like a hustler. Right. Because a hustler works for the money. But entre entrepreneurs work for contracts, work for lifetime opportunities, work for, you know, generations to come. They set up things for generations to come. So I always I've been saying lately, I don't just want to leave legacy, but I want to leave a dynasty. Yeah. So my children can step in and take over the reins of what I've worked for. And I think one of the things that like Danielle and I, my wife, one of the things that we live by is a principle that we learned from uh, Bishop Tudor Bismarck. And he talks about if you pay now, you can play later. Yes. But if you play now, you're going to pay later. Woo. And, you know, he said that he prefers the former being that you pay now so that you can play later. And I just feel like our generation you know, and I also think it's a lack of exposure, yeah. you know, where a lot of our generation just sees not not that you do this, but they will see someone like you and think that it's a snap of a finger or all you have to do is make three phone calls and that's it. I mean, and it's it's even hard to and I want to transition to this. It's hard to kind of motivate people, especially younger people and those that have a staff. So I know you, you have a daycare, you have a daycare enterprise. Mm -hmm. I should have started off the podcast <laughs> letting them know what type of business you have. You have a uh, daycare franchise system mm -hmm. almost in Chicago. Yes. I mean, how many, how many do you have? We have four, four and we are a Head Start agency. Wow. So we have over 100 staff members yeah. that wow. we staff. But I'm also a serial entrepreneur. Yeah. And so I'm an author as well. Yeah. And then my husband and I, um, we co-found... Um, a really good, really, really good construction yes. and property management firm. That's true. That's true. I I was going to get to that. Oh, but, okay. You know, you, <laughs> no, it's, and, and there's other things that you're doing as mm -hmm. well that, yes. um, you know, and, you know. And I, we're pastors, pastors as well. Pastors, yeah. Yeah. There's, there's, and, but there's, with that comes people management. Yes. And, you know, I'm, I'm a newer entrepreneur, okay. as you know. And one of the things that I've struggled with is trying to get my people to see what I see. Mm. What are some of the things that, especially, I, I, I manage four people. Okay. How do you manage a hundred people? To answer your question, I used to manage. I don't manage anymore. I lead. And okay. There's a difference. Wow. Okay. So when you manage people, it's like you're watching them and yeah. everything. But when you lead people, it's an opportunity to really help them to buy into the vision yeah. to your vision and help them feel like they're a part of it. And people have a different paradigm when they feel like they're being led versus being managed. People don't like to feel like they're being managed. Sure. And I've made many mistakes um, when I started off. I've been doing this thing for 17 years, my husband and I, but we used to manage. We used to go, we used to call every day. Hey, what's going on? How many kids showing up? What are you doing for this? What are you doing for that? And it was really literally draining us. Yeah. And then we started to really uh, reorganize things and start to build up leaders mm -hmm. to actually manage the people. Wow. And we lead. And so that's why at 45 years old, we're semi-retired. We don't wow. have to go down there. We have sold our vision to our top management team and we have developed them to become leaders. Wow. And the staff underneath them 
they are starting to feel like they're in some type of leadership position. That's awesome. And so it's this paradigm that we bring in that you're a part of the vision. Yeah. So instead of saying, I'm upset with you because you didn't meet the enrollment deadline and you were supposed to have 50 children enrolled, what can we do to help you? Can Do you have any um, requests? And they come back with like, we need a better computer system. Yeah. So that's, yeah. A, that's a default. Okay, I need to get these girls some computers. Yeah. So when they see that I buy the computers that they ask for, we get the uniforms. My husband do all of the, um, you know, like organizational requests that they put in. They ask for new floors. They ask for, they, they, they ask for a lot of stuff. And my <laughs> husband and I. And so they feel like, wow, I'm valued here. Yeah. I'm yeah. appreciated here. Yeah. Um, my, the leaders of this company, they really appreciate me. So for Valentine's Day, they get everybody get a can of cookies. Nice. For Christmas, it's expensive, but for Christmas, everyone get a little bonus. Yeah. And they're so excited. Yeah. And they get cookies and they get cakes. And they this this past Christmas in December 2021, we did lunch for everyone. We catered lunch for everyone. And they were so excited. Wow. And I sent out individual personal cards that says thank you for uh partnering with our vision. Wow. So they have a different mindset. It's like a sense feel, of ownership. Yeah, a sense yeah. of ownership. Like, wow. Yeah. And then we give um, accolades to them all throughout the year. That's awesome. We say, okay, who have the best classrooms? And they feel like, wow, I'm a part of the vision. So I, I take ownership of my classroom. Wow. So I think that as entrepreneurs, if we start leading people yeah. and making them feel like a part of the vision, because a lot of times when people come to work for us, um, we get people in all type of emotional states. Yeah. That's true. We have people with all kind of backgrounds. We have people that are going through some harsh things yeah. in their lives. And the last thing they need to feel is that they are working at a place where they're underappreciated and undervalued. Yeah. But when they come into the doors of Shining Star, what they feel is I'm important here. Yeah. I may be devalued at my house with my boyfriend that takes my car all day. Yeah. But Giselle and Omar, the owners of this company, makes me feel like someone. And people like to feel appreciated. You know, it's funny because um, we have a similar employee that, you know, actually he was over our house the other day and he's just always around. And, you know, he, he started calling me and he started calling me dad. And I'm like, this, wow. is, this is strange. <laughs> and, you know, I'm, I'm black and he's white. And he's like, no, you're my dad. He's really young. And but he's a hard worker. And it's funny you you talk about how you hire people and the state of their emotions or just their personal mm -hmm. life, they have issues. And I think that a lot, you know, I think that's kind of separates those that are in entrepreneurship to make money versus those that are in entrepreneurship to change lives, yes. you know? Cause it's the money comes, right? It's, it's a, a byproduct. byproduct. It's, it's a byproduct. <laughs> <laughs> it's a byproduct. It comes naturally, Yes. but we work to, to make sure that the people that work for us yes. are taken care of, right? Um, talk. Can you talk a little bit about in the beginning, kind of, kind of getting to that phase of like, you know, you starting? And I know a little bit about it, but I don't know everything about how you started, and it was just you and Omar, and how you guys um, started, then brought on other people. Well, in the very beginning stages <laughs> of business. It was me, it was Omar, it was my mom, my yeah. cousins, um, Omar at the time. And I made a post last year because I threw my husband a big party and someone was on there saying, wow, wow, wow. And I was like, no, this is yeah. the husband and he does the same thing for me. Yeah, absolutely. 
this is the wife and the husband that my husband was the janitor, the repair man. He opened up at 5.50 in the morning, every morning, sometimes at five o'clock. We opened our doors at six o'clock. And at that time, we only had one location. And he opened at five o'clock. Wow. He would come through. He would pray through the place. He would ask the Lord to uh, cover, the, cover the place, make sure nothing happens. He was like, and this is also the person that laid the floors. <laughs> That's awesome. And just imagine now, yeah. this is like the vision that God gave me. And this husband of mine, that's an amazing husband, <laughs> come alongside and say, baby, I'm here to support. And I understand what my role is. And there's no competition. Yeah. There's no uh, feelings of insecurity. When you make it, I make it. He's also Panamanian, so I got to do it. <laughs> His accent. Make sure I get my check. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And so, you know, so people might see the glory, but they don't know the story. That's it. That's it. And so now they see him in nice us and nice him him in nice suits because yeah. he dressed way better than me but <laughs> he put yeah. me on yeah. so they see him in nice tailor-made suits and stuff but 17 years ago this is the same man that would wake up five o'clock in the morning wow. when anything break down i didn't yeah. have to make it it's the same man that when i want to stay at six o'clock p.m he would put me out and says wow. i have this wow so he was a janitor he was the cook uh he was the opening he was the closer he ran, and we used to have an after-school program that was really rough because we had some big children that we wow. used to take care of, and they were so they would come in and they would trash all of the toys. It was oh, the no. worst experience, but we were really trying to make it. And he used to go pick those kids up from school, bring them in, uh, take them to McDonald's, uh, watch them trash the place, clean up after they trash the place, <laughs> and so we did it for years. Wow, we did it for years, and then um, as we started to do it. We start to, you know, get more children because when we first opened, we opened with 38 children. Wow. The first day we opened, which was very good. But we started to get more children and more children. And so then we had my mom was working. My grandmother was working. That didn't work out well. <laughs> Grandma. Uh, <laughs> my mom was working. Um, I had cousins working for me. Uh, so it was like a family affair. But then as the kids start to come in, we got up to 95 kids. It was wow. time to hire yeah. and let go. Wow. So some family, let we let them go, and we replaced them with certified staff. Wow. And so that's how we started to grind. And then we did that for like two years. And um, my mother always taught me a principle. She always say, don't spend tomorrow's money today. That's so true. we started to save, save, save. And then in 2007, an opportunity came up to buy another school. All of the girls that have been in business like 10, 15 years, they weren't even prepared. Wow. They didn't have the savings, but we had the liquid assets because we weren't spenders. We didn't get excited. Even though we seen the money coming in, we didn't get excited. Wow. So that's another principle I want to leave to a Christian entrepreneur that might be listening to me. Mm -hmm. The same principle that Elisha told of the widow woman. You know, when you see the money coming in, don't get so excited. Mm -hmm. Stack, 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 stack. Wow. And so... Um, in 2007, we bought out another school, and my husband did all of the construction work there. It was a really terrible bar that was a part of the building. We actually bought a strip mall, and um, we went in and we gutted out the whole building. It was raggedy. Um, the bar was nasty. My husband reconstructed it, and we stacked that money. Another opportunity came up in 2009. The lady that sold me her school in 2007 her girlfriend is 45 <laughs> years in the business and wants to get out. 
I heard you bought my friend's school. You ready to come and take this school off my hand? So we go to her school. Her school was really raggedy. And I was like, oh, my God, Omar. And my husband was like, we can do it. We can do it. We can do it. Let's yeah. do it. And the lady, she told me, she said, well, we have 40 children. Um, but she lied. And when we got in, we found out that she only had eight children. <laughs> and four of those kids were on the way out the door because she didn't have an air conditioning system. And so um, she thought she was selling me a lemon, but she didn't know that God was using her to push me to the next level. Wow. And so um, she gave me like false documents and everything because she was a not-for-profit, so she was able to do that. Um, but we went in wow. and we said, we're going to ask God to give us strategy. And one of the first things that came to our mind, she was providing services for children between the ages of two to six. And we automatically thought we need some infant centers. So we went in automatically with the idea and the concept of putting in infant classrooms. My husband did all of the work. I remember one Christmas day, he was there working and it was three o'clock in the morning. And I said, husband, you need to come home. This is, this is not healthy, come home. He said, woman, <laughs> leave me alone. He said, just make sure you have something to eat <laughs> and a little strength left when I get home. <laughs> You know what I mean? I love it. A Absolutely. Little strength a little okay. strength, right. I said at three o'clock in the morning, I don't think I'm gonna have no strength. You're gonna have to find some strength, mama. You're gonna have to find some strength. And he was there working. He should have listened to me. And a nail went up in his foot. Oh no. Stabbed him in his foot and he bled. Um he's like, Oh, that's nothing, that's nothing, that's nothing. But God bless, he came home, um, peroxide it down and never got infected. God was good. Um, but we turned that school over in three weeks and we were ready to open. Wow. A whole 9,000 square foot building. 9,000 square foot building. We turned it over in three weeks. That's amazing. He, he had like so many guys in there working <laughs> and he was there working, working, working with the guys. Wow. And do you know that in three months we had 102 children in that location? Wow. So that was, a, that was the third location. And then I looked at this building maybe five years before I got that, this one in 2010. And it's um, a Chicago library and it's in a community that have excessive needs. And it came back to my mind and I know the owners. So I called the owners and I said, hey, are you guys selling this building? He said, you know what? We think we're going to sell it to you. I said, wow. really? So I looked at this building a few years ago, but you wanted too much. He said, I'm going to give it to you for a fraction of the cost. Wow. And we got that building and we bought out a Chicago library. They used to be Chicago Eastside Library. And of course, he was there managing the construction. I always enjoy just like listening to your stories, you and Pastor Omar's stories about entrepreneurship and how you guys did it together. And I, I believe I'm convinced that, you know, just as, you know, there's mantles and grace for yes. being an apostle and being um, a prophet and a pastor. Yeah. I think there's grace for entrepreneurs. Yes, it you is. Know? Can you talk about how you knew that there was a grace on your life, you and your husband's life to be an entrepreneur? I knew that I was called to the marketplace to be an entrepreneur. Um, I would say when I was 12 years old. Okay. Cause at 12 years old, I used to sell Twinkies and hostess cups out of my book bag. Wow. Now I used to eat some of the profit, but don't tell nobody. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> at 12 years old, I knew that I wanted to be an entrepreneur. But I didn't understand the fullness of it until um, I would say till I actually got in the grain when I was 28 and I opened Shining Star. Wow. I was like, wow, I never imagined that yeah. I could actually do this. Yeah. Um, and so 
you know, there are certain people that don't, especially in the church arena, they don't um, really understand that entrepreneurship is a grace. It is a God-given gift. It is a mantle. It is the, like, so I correct people all the time when they say, wow, you're a self-made entrepreneur. I said, no, I'm a God-made. I love it. I'm a God-made yeah. um, entrepreneur. I'm a God-made multimillionaire. Yeah. Um, but there's a grace that comes with it. It's dependent on God. It's asking God for divine strategies. It's, you know, the money is a byproduct, but I feel myself as being honored by God, that God can trust me Absolutely. with this. And I feel like my business is actually ministry because I get to change the lives of young children. I get to show them something different. I get to tell them that there's better out there for them. Yeah. I get to see children that come from families of trauma, come from families where uh, dad was just locked up last yeah. week and they get to come to Shining Star and have someone tell them that you are a shining star and you are developed to shine throughout this world. I get that opportunity. God has graced me and have uh, allowed me as a leader to raise up women that actually believe that and tell kids that no matter what you go through in life, no matter what you've seen, how many dads your mom have brought and told them that they're your uncle. <laughs> Uncles, right? <laughs> you're I better than that. Yeah. You're better than that. So we do things like prom the kids we do proms for the kids I love it. we do full graduation ceremonies we celebrate the kids uh we do like little modeling shows the kids do dress up we're all about promoting them yeah. to know that they're bigger than their circumstances I, I i think for me as a young entrepreneur listening to you it confirms a lot you know you listen to somebody be, uh, like you who's been in the business for 16 years. No, this year oh, excuse will be me, I'm 18 sorry. years. Oh, 18 years. I'm I sorry. I cannot believe it. It went by so fast. <laughs> yeah. Wow. But to listen to you, we've been in business for two years, but you know, sometimes you do, you, you can be doing the right thing and not know it. And I think this is the whole point of this podcast is that, you know, sometimes you're on a journey and mm -hmm. you don't know you're doing the yes. right thing until you're listening to other people, you know, and, to hear you talk about how you're changing lives. I mean, we're, we're construction and, you know, we build, you know, chiropractic centers because wow. she, the chiropractor outgrew the space and she sees a thousand people a week. You know, we build. Whoa. Yeah. yeah and to help her change lives, you know, it, so it's more than just drywall and flooring and yes. lights. It's, it's changing people's lives, you know, it's being a part of a story of changing people's lives. And, I want to talk about as an entrepreneur, I heard um, I was listening to Soar with Bishop Jakes and he talked about a CEO um, at, a, at a chamber event. And one of the things that the CEO said was a lot of C a lot of CEOs, a lot of leaders know what it's like to pivot. The question he said, the question isn't really how to pivot. The question really is how like what must you let go in order to grow, you know, like because there's certain things you have to leave behind yes. in order for your business to grow. What would you say is one of the things that as you were building your business, as mm -hmm. you are building your businesses that you have had to let go uh, in order for it to prosper? One of the things that I had to let go recently is what I call perfectionism complex. OK. Um, and I posted this a few weeks ago and so many people said it was a blessing to them. Be kinder to yourself. Yeah. Cause you're winning just like you, you're winning. Yeah. Sometimes we are such in a culture that is so um, 
negative. Yeah. And, and we, we're not careful subconsciously. We'll start to beat up ourselves. Yeah. And we'll start to measure ourselves to other people that are doing similar things. Mm-hmm. And then we start to get this feeling of insufficiency. Oh, I'm not doing it right. But if you look back at your life and where you come from, <laughs> you, we are killing the game. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. So that's one thing I had to let go recently. And I'm talking about as recent as last week, recent (laughs) perfectionism complex, because when you are so driven and you are so motivated, you try to do everything right. And it is impossible to do everything right because we are flawed human beings. And I one thing that God had to let me understand that as an entrepreneur, you're called to not solve all problems. You're a solution. You're you're a solution. But you're not called to solve all of the problems. Absolutely. And so you have to give yourself more grace. You have to give yourself more credit. You have to be kinder to yourself. You have to see, um, you know, even mistakes that we make in business, we have to see it as an opportunity to grow. Yeah. I would not be able to be uh, semi-retired for four years now if I didn't make a lot of mistakes. Yeah. Those mistakes taught me what to teach my leaders what not to fall into. So now, you know, I've made many mistakes where I've let uh, people slide and stay in my school without getting, um, you know, the proper approval of payments. And there were times I didn't get paid because, you know, the parent turning fraudulent information. As a leader now, I could teach my leaders, make sure everyone, before you allow them to come into the school, they have approval. That would have never happened if I didn't make the mistakes. So that mistake was necessary to frame me to teach and to empower other leaders that are coming up behind me. Yeah. And that's what I call transformational leadership. Yeah. And I ascribe to the transformational leadership paradigm that we transform other leaders to make transformative decisions um, for the betterment of the whole work culture. Yeah. And so that's what I would leave to any young, aspiring Christian entrepreneur. Be kinder to yourself. <laughs> Just the fact that you have made the choice to become an entrepreneur and you're working towards it. And you know that everybody in your family is lazy and on welfare. <laughs> Honey, right. you are killing. You are trailblazing. You are bloodline curse breaker, whatever they call it, generational curse breaker. You are trailblazing. And yeah. you need to give yourself more credit and stop being so hard on yourself. There's a story that you've told on Facebook Live about this. I call it, I'm going to call it the miraculous building. I actually wrote it down, the, the miraculous building. Because I think there are a lot of people that may be hearing this podcast and they may feel like, where do I start? Right. I know when I started in business, I thought there were so many things I needed to have. But when you started, you just you had a word from the Lord. I had a word from the Lord. And that was it. Pretty and that much. was it. And you went to a building yes. that was leased. And I'll let you finish this or that was yes. going to be leased. Yes. Yeah. So I got a word from the Lord. Um, and so. <laughs> um, so since we're talking. That's one thing I use and I believe about the prophetic that is supposed to guide us and it's supposed to compass us. Absolutely. And it's supposed to save us time. But a lot of times when people get a prophetic word, they think that, oh, that's the supernatural being activated and it's spoken. It's going to happen. No, it's to tell you what you got to do. <laughs> OK. <laughs> right. So I got this word from the Lord um, years ago um, that, you know, I was going to be in the building with children. At that, at that time, I was going to school for clinical psychology because I wanted to be, I really wanted to be a child psychiatrist and I thought that was my destiny. So I was planning, but God had a greater plan for me. And then I go to bed in 2003 and I hear in an audible voice, the name Shining Star Child Development. Wow. In an audible voice. 
And my sister was sleeping next to me. And I wake her up and I said, did you hear that? She said, go back to bed. It's four o'clock in the morning. I ain't hear nothing. Mm. I just heard you snoring. <laughs> and then the audible voice says it again, three times. And I said, you have to have heard that. She said, no. She said, well, call mama. My mother <clears throat> was, we were doing a tour in Minnesota at the time. I used to do gospel comedy plays. Don't tell nobody that. And so my mom was. That is a, that's a fact that I'm writing <laughs> oh down. Oh my God. Oh my in God. In case I need to use it for black. No, I'm straight. <laughs> <laughs> or blackmail, yeah. right? So my mother was um, in the room next to us. And so I call her. I said, mom, I just keep hearing this name screaming. And she told me, she said, when you hear it again, say, speak, Lord, thy servant, hear it. So I heard it again. And I said, speak, Lord, thy servant, hear it. And then immediately when I heard it, I said, okay, I'm going to have a child care center and it's going to be different. I'm going to go to um, a Latino and African-American community because I think, you know, being chocolate and being able to speak Spanish a little bit <laughs> at the time. Perfect combination. That's the perfect combination. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I just got up one morning and based on that word, I was I had a sure word and I knew it was from God. I got up and I started to canvas the neighborhood. Wow. I started to canvas a neighborhood that was predominantly black and Latino. I said, this is a community for me. So I started to canvas. I found one location, gave the man some money. The city of Chicago came out. They said, this place is a rat hole. I lost a little money. I was devastated. I said, okay, I'm gonna keep going. And then I drive. And I keep driving and Holy Spirit led me to this building. And I didn't even know how I got here. It was miraculously. I get out and I look at this building. I'm like, wow, it's for rent. And it's like three storefronts. And I'm like, wow, this is a beautiful building. So when I get out of the building, Marcus, and I look, there's an older, like older Greek guy standing outside. So I start looking at the building. I'm like, wow, this will be a really nice building. I'm looking, I'm peeping through the windows. And so he said, can I help you? I said, wow, do you know the owner of this building? I said, because I really would like to put a preschool in here, um, a bilingual preschool, and I think it would do really well here. Mm. He said, so tell me what you want to do. And he's talking to me. And I was like, and I know I'm going to offer English and offer Spanish. So, you know, if you can get in touch with the owner of the building, let me know. <laughs> He started laughing. He looked at me. He said, I happen to be the owner of the building. Wow. I said, no way. He <laughs> said, yes. Do you know he was at the building basically at that same time? He was a Greek Orthodox guy praying basically for wow. a tenant to come. <laughs> and supernaturally, I end up in front of his building. I'm about to cry. Supernaturally, I end up and he was out there with his rosary. Wow. And I get out and I said, are you really? He said, yes. He said, it's something about you. Wow. There's a passion in your eyes. Mm. There's something different. It's something like you're, and in other words, you're hungry. Yeah. He could see the hunger in me. He could see the passion in my eyes. He said, hmm, I'm going to tell you what you're going to do. If you can come up with the first month rent and the first month security, I will let you stay in my building six months free. Wow. So that you can open and finish the construction. Wow. I said, really? He said, yes. Now, I always tell the story. When I speak on at church and I said, some people would have walked away when they seen him with the rosary because he wasn't That's out true. there shouting. That's true. <laughs> like we know. Yes. <laughs> or he didn't have a big time Bible. He wasn't, you know. Yeah. So I've learned that many of the people that God would use would not look like us. Yes. They would not come from my tribe, but they would be sent by God to push us where we need to go in the next level. Because this business is God's business. He's the CEO. 
He just made me the administrator to administrate his money. Yes. And to make sure I hire the right people. Absolutely. <laughs> and pay my tithes, right? <laughs> <laughs> and so certain people get distracted because they're waiting for their tribe to come. I'm getting worked up now <laughs> and bail them out or to be a blessing or yeah. my apostle gonna walk up and give me a big old check. I'm glad you brought that up because um, I was having a conversation uh, not too long ago with someone and I was telling them about uh, a friend of mine who the way that they're married now, but the way they got married was a little unorthodox. Yeah, there we go. That's a good word for it. And the person began to judge them. And I, I had to explain to them, I said, but you have to realize we are not of this world. We are in this world, but yes. we're not of it. And you look at, I think sometimes as Christians, we look at the outward things of like what other people are doing, not realizing how God can use those people right. to be a blessing to us. That's you right. know. And I was I was telling uh, uh, Pastor Omar on our way in today that a lot of, especially in the area, the community I'm, I'm in, a lot of people run from government or they, they don't want to deal with, you know, the mayor or or the, the governor. They think, you know, the governor's from hell, you know, not realizing that God has placed these people over the state, over the city. Yes. And we are to be able to communicate. We don't have to be best friends That's with these right. people. But if we can communicate and get what we need from them, that changes it. And Absolutely. I, I, I think that. So when you say that, I, I think that's what hinders a lot of Christian entrepreneurs. Absolutely. Is they shout and they dance and that's they right. speak in tongues and they do all that. That's right. And they think that touching their neighbor eight different times, getting coronavirus <laughs> is going to make their business grow. And they reject the things that God has put in front of them. Well, Pastor Gigi, thank you so much for being a part of the Mackey Method podcast. Uh, I'm left speechless as usual when I talk to you. So, but thank you so much for being here. And uh, uh, where can, where can, if someone's listening, how can they reach out to you? You have books, you have Yes, I have resources. books. I have a, uh, books for entrepreneurs, Christian entrepreneurs. That's my thing. So you can um, look, look me up at auntieggspeaks.com. That's A-U-N-T-I-E-G-I-G-I speaks.com. And on Amazon, I've read your devotional, okay, which is amazing. Okay, good. Thank you. Uh, you have a, you have a. I have a devotional called Entrepreneurs. Permission to Prosper, um, and it's a thirty-one day, it's a thirty-one day devotional, uh, really to shift the mindset of many Christian entrepreneurs. Um, I wrote in the middle of the pandemic, and it's saving lives all over the world. Then I have my latest, uh, kind of like a Christian textbook for Christian entrepreneurs called The Irresistible Business. Uh, seven success principles for kingdom entrepreneurs. So awesome. All right, y'all go check it out. All Thank right. you so much. Pastor Thank you Jesus. so much.